0: So Ash Wednesday is a little bit of a tricky day for me, because I, of course, understand what the purpose of the day is. That is, as as we hear from our first reading, even now says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. So this this reality of of we've sinned against the Lord, um, and this sin, which which is both a corporate thing, right? So something that humanity has done against God. God creates us as his favorite creature. He gives us everything and he desires to draw us up into his very life. Like this is what he wants. He wants to fill us with every good gift, with every good blessing. And in response to that, the human, the human race, beginning with Adam and Eve and flowing all the way to our day, into my life, into your life, we, we rebel against God. We separate ourselves. We insist on doing things our own way. And of course we see this and it's just like, oh my gosh, we, we shouldn't have done this. You know, like this was a bad idea. Separating ourselves from God like this, rebelling, thinking that we don't need him to tell us how to live our lives. And so like the, the, the reality of this day and therefore the rest of the season of Lent, this day launches of us, of course, into the season of Lent. That the reality or the, the, the intention of it is to be penitential, right? This the color purple, that's one of the things that purple represents for us as, as Catholic Christians is that it is a color which is penitential. Penitential meaning we do penance, which is something that um, makes this day tricky because I look at the church at large, and you know that I do this, I'm not necessarily speaking about any one of you necessarily, but I look at the church at large and I see very, very, very few people doing any kind of penance. And so Lent is a season for us to, to be launched into a life of penance, to voluntarily take on things in our lives that we do, that we don't like doing but we know are good for us. Or uh, not doing things that we prefer to do, but we don't do them because we know that they're bad for us. Like that's, that's the purpose of this day, to proclaim a fast. Actually, for, for, for those who are, are between the ages of 18 and 59, to actually fast, to skip two meals today, so that we feel the hunger pains in our body. And as we feel that, we offer that hunger to God, and we are reminded ourselves that we need to hunger for God. That's, that's like the purpose of this day. And I, I, like I said, I look at the church at large and I see people don't, they don't do that ever. Like many people today uh, chose, chose probably not to fast, right? Like, and again, I don't, I don't know what you chose to do. And I know that some of you aren't required to because of age limits and, and that kind of thing. But I know that many people today didn't give a second thought to the Lord, except, oh, I should go to church today. Or, or many people didn't even come to church today. you know. And, like, and, and I know that my tone is maybe a little bit harsher than I want it to be, but this is like the trickiness of, of this day, of like, what what are, what are we doing? You know? What are we doing? And this ultimately, I think, is, is really what Jesus is getting at. So Jesus, talking, this, like, so this is Matthew chapter six, which is right at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. So this is Jesus' most famous sermon that he gives, his most famous preaching. It's also the longest continuous stretch of preaching that he does in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So I actually encourage you uh, to spend some time in the next week or so, maybe even tonight, but within the next week to sit down and read Matthew chapters 5 through 7 in one sitting. It'll take you 15 minutes, maybe, maybe maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, but to sit down and just read it one, one way through and recognize like, okay, Jesus, he's doing what? He's preaching to the, these crowds of people that have come to him, which again is, is a, a fascinating thing. In today's world, I've mentioned this before, in today's world, it feels more like we're, we're constantly trying to convince people that they should come to Jesus. We're trying to like beg them like, no, you gotta, you gotta understand, like this is a worthwhile thing. Whereas at the time of Jesus, the crowds came to him and begged him that they might follow him. So we've got it backwards. But anyway, so th- these crowds come and so he's like, okay, if you wanna follow me, If you want to be my disciple, this is how you do it, or this is what this looks like. So from there, of course, he begins with the Beatitudes, but the Sermon on the Mount is much bigger than just the Beatitudes. And here in Matthew chapter 6, which he, of course, wouldn't have known this is Matthew chapter 6, but here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus stops everything. He's like, hold on a minute. Before we go any further, I need you to understand that there are people out there who seem like they're living righteous lives. They seem like they're doing righteous deeds. And they are righteous. But the reason that they're doing those righteous deeds is because they have bad motivations. That's why he says, take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. This is why many of the people that he's talking about, these people he calls the hypocrites, they're doing their righteous deeds as Jesus says. He doesn't condemn them for doing the righteous deeds but instead, he condemns them for doing it so that people might see them. So they, they have these false motivations, these false um, ideas or, or things that, that are causing them to do this. And so Jesus calls them hypocrites. Another, another way we could translate this word hypocrite is that he calls them pretenders, people who are just pretending to be religious, people who are just pretending to desire a relationship with God. And, and so the heart of of this Sermon on the Mount is Jesus just taking time to acknowledge to people like, look, I know that not everybody has pure motivations. I know, actually, that there are some people who have bad motivations. And so you, my disciples, he's saying, I wanna warn you about that. And so what that is for us, as we are launched into this season of penitence, of penance, is for us to maybe begin with a sense of curiosity about ourselves to just sort of ask myself this question, what is my motivation here? Which some, some of us might have really good motivation, I'm, I'm aware of that, that, that some of us might be totally in line of just like, I'm here because I know that I'm a sinner and I'm here, I want to offer worship to God. I'm here, I want to do penance. I want to acknowledge my sinfulness. I want to, to be seen by God. And, and so this is, this is what I do because I know that to be a disciple is, is to come here and, and to live my life for him. I'm aware that there are people here who think that. But, but I also know, and you hear me talk about this a lot, I also know that there are people here who come here to pay God lip service and nothing more. I know there are people here who are here because, well, it's just what I have to do and I'm not that interested. And and for that, there's just a simple warning. And the warning is not so much from me, although it is is from me, but the warning first and foremost is from Jesus who says, beware. If you're just pretending, don't bother. That's what he's saying. If you're just pretending, he, he says, I don't want people to be like you. In fact, I don't want you to be like you. I want you, instead, to come to me. To come to me and and include in your life, yes, external actions, the righteous deeds. Right? Again, he says, when you pray, when you fast, when you give alms, it's not like if you choose to do these things, but when you do these things. So the external part is absolutely real, is absolutely necessary for us as disciples of Jesus. But this is, this is maybe where we got to be stretched is that to be a disciple of Jesus, it's not just an external thing, although it includes that, it is also an internal thing. That as I come to perform my, to perform my righteous deeds, as I come to mass, as I need to, as I pray, as I need to, as I give alms, like give, give some of my money to the poor, or to the church, as I need to, I also have to do it with a heart that says, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Even if maybe I don't always feel that way, I gotta say that to him and, and mean it as much as I possibly can to say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not doing this for the crowds. I'm not doing it for the lip service, but I'm doing it because I recognize that it was a really bad decision for humanity to separate ourselves from you. And this is, this is my way of trying to, to receive the relationship that you've come to give. I recognize Jesus in you that I ought to be begging you to let me follow you rather than the other way around. And this is, this is part of the fascinating thing about this, and this will, this will be the last thing, is that the Lord, he knows this about himself, and yet he's still willing to come to us and ask us and appeal to us. This is what Paul is getting at. We are ambassadors for Christ. Paul is saying, we are living representatives of Jesus Christ. As though what? As though God were appealing through us. So Paul is saying, look, whatever I'm saying to you right now, it's like God himself is appealing to you. And so he says, we urge you, therefore, we exhort you, we we beg you, be reconciled to God. Please, just come and be reconciled. Like This is the crazy thing. Paul knows this. Jesus knows this. Anyone who is a true disciple of Jesus knows this, that we ought to be the ones begging him. And yet, even in that, he comes to us and he begs us. This is is beyond understanding. That Jesus, who is worthy of our life, he comes and he begs us by giving his life for us. All so that what? So that we might be reconciled to him. This is the thing. I I know that, that there are people here who think well, it doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't matter if I come to mass every Sunday. It doesn't matter if I pray. It doesn't matter if I repent of my sins or not. It doesn't, like none of that matters because I know that, that the Lord's gonna forgive me. He's gonna be merciful. He's, and I just, again, if that's, if that's you, I, I gotta warn you, that is not at all a biblical thought. That is not at all consistent with the gospel message. Be reconciled with God, Paul says, and therefore Jesus says, Repent of your sins. And I know again, some of us might say, Well, I'll wait for that. I'll wait until I'm on my deathbed and then then maybe I'll I'll confess my sins. Or I'll wait until I get a little bit older, and then maybe I'll confess my sins, or I'll wait until I'm a little bit further down the road, and then I'll start taking my faith more seriously. The Lord says, that's not it. That's not it. What does Paul say? He says, now is the very acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't wait any longer if, you, if you're waiting. Don't wait a second longer, but instead, come to the Lord. Come and be reconciled with him. Repent of your sins in confession. Live a life of penance. Include in your life habits of prayer, habits of almsgiving, habits of fasting, because these are habits that are included in every disciple of Jesus Christ's life. And he wants you to be one of his disciples. He's begging you for it.